I just had you call me your friend, Murr. Thank you so much. <laughs> you got my pleasure. <laughs> so I was doing some research on you last night. I'll be honest. I, I haven't watched a show in a while. I used to watch it all the time, but I haven't watched oh. TV a lot. My kid plays travel soccer, and so, you know, I, uh, that means, like, every one of my weekends is taken up and everything, and so uh, pretty damn busy. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I always enjoyed watching it, and uh, nice. um, one of the things that I did a little research on you, and I realized you are a published author. You've got a number of books published. I have five books out. I know. Like, like two two days ago, the publisher sent me my new one. I, I'm sure during the interview, I'll hold it up. But uh, yeah, it comes out. This one, this one is great. It's my favorite one. It comes out in three weeks. Yeah, let me let me record recording this in thing. progress. Um, yeah. Let me close this. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> Was that just to show me that you're actually wearing pants? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we—I actually was in a Zoom meeting with someone once, and they did—they missed, didn't even think about it, and they got up to go do something, and the rest of the people in the meeting realized that they were not wearing pants. Yeah, I love it. So, I love it. Yeah. I think about it all the time. It's yeah. worth a joke to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I should have been recording that. I could have sent it to you guys. You could have used it for material. Um, but uh, but yeah, one of the things I noticed is that you've got a brand new book coming out. Um, this is it next week. I think it hits bookstores nationwide. September twenty first, the Stowaway hits bookstores uh, worldwide. It is a uh, it's about a serial killer who takes up residence on a transatlantic cruise. Really? Uh, only one woman who can stop him, who knows the killer's M.O. Uh-huh. It's up to, up to her to discover his identity and stop him before he kills again. Like three days in any direction from land with a skeleton security crew on board, and you're on a cruise ship, and a serial killer decides to uh, exact his revenge. It's a great, gripping mystery thriller that will keep you guessing until the very last page who the killer actually is. And that doesn't sound anything like the back of the book, Mur. Um, <laughs> so we're yeah, gonna, I said it off the top of my head. I wrote the back of the book, so there, right, you go. there you go. There you go. Um, so what gave you the idea for this? Were you out on a cruise ship, actually, and you're like, oh, my God, what if, you know? I'll tell you, the guys and I have an impractical Joker's cruise. Uh-huh. We have thousands of fans join us for a week in the Caribbean right. every year. Obviously, we took last year off. Uh, and uh, we've done four or five of them so far. And, uh, and it's like a week in the Caribbean with our uh, m- most dedicated, loyal fans, thousands of them on board, and just us. And we perform and drink and party with them, <laughs> and it's so much fun. Right. And, uh, and when you're on a cruise ship and you're staring out at the abyss... In the darkness, if there's no full moon, it is scary as hell. Right. And it, it, it just makes me think of all the possibilities of what would happen if a serial killer decided to come on board. You know? <laughs> so what are your not what are your novels like? Do they have the same trademark sense of humor as the, the television shows in your in your stand up routine? Or are they a no, little more serious? They're very different. Very different. So the Awakened trilogy, uh, that's a sci fi thriller, mm-hmm. a series, three books. Uh, the first book, Awakens, hit number one on the international bestseller list. So, mm-hmm. There you uh, go. That, that is pure fi- sci-fi thriller. So if you like um, Escape from New York meets Aliens. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Don't Move, which came out a few months ago, is a pure horror. Mm-hmm. That one is being uh, developed into a movie, actually, now, and the screenplay is great. Uh-huh. Uh, so Don't Move is a pure horror. It's about a church group from the Bronx that goes on their annual summer camping trip to the woods of West Virginia. But this particular summer, they wander into the wrong woods. I'll let you, I'll let you figure out what happens after that. Uh, and then The Stowaway comes out on uh, September 21st. That is a pure mystery. So if you love mystery fiction this is the one for you mm-hmm. uh, a Done did it kind of thing a hunting a killer uh this is the book for you and the next year i have three more books coming out called area 51 interns uh which is a children's book series uh-huh. about kids who get a su- summer internship at area 51 and have to save the day every single book that's that sounds like a lot of fun that sounds really fun yeah um, that I- one's pure comedy and fun and crazy yeah yeah, I actually have. Um, I'm working on my 53rd book right now, and I've got a book coming out around Christmas. Um, it's a re-release of the previous book I wrote called The Arimathean. It's about what if you'll yeah. appreciate this having been raised Catholic. It's about what if the three wise men were ninja wizards sent to protect Joseph and Mary. Wow, that's great. Wait, did you say 53? Yeah, I'm working on my 53rd book. My God, that's astounding! <laughs> but wow, that's incredible! Congrats. What an thank accomplishment! You. So, what what do you enjoy most about writing and creating these new universes, and how much of your improvisational background comes into it? I mean, being a writer myself, I know you hit you get those moments, those kind of aha moments where you're like, "Where did that come from?" And it's very similar to improv. I mean the same thing where you're on stage and it's kind of like click something just like happened you know yeah i think it's a combination of two skills uh well first i was an english major at georgetown so i have the mm-hmm. writing ability but the two skills i think are most pertinent to writing books are one my development background so for years for a decade i ran development for a tv company so my job was to write treatments uh, which oh, are yeah. exciting, fun to read. You know, go out and pi- and then go out and pitch and sell those TV shows. So that's how the guys and I sold Impractical Jokers. Mm-hmm. We created it, I pitched it through my job, and we sold it. So after a decade of pitching TV shows and writing thousands of TV show treatments, I think it hones your skills to become a really effective, fast-paced, yeah. exciting writer. Right. The second thing is entirely Impractical Jokers. Jokers is an improv show. Mm-hmm. Our skill, at, at what we do is we go up and talk to strangers and see how they respond and take in what they're saying mm-hmm. and learn how to, you know, achieve a goal or a task while talking our way through, right. around, up, over things, whatever obstacles the other guys may throw in our path. So it is purely an improv show. And what I think that has done is it's honed, I think the guys and I probably know how to speak and know people's voices better than anyone mm-hmm. because we speak to we speak to thousands and thousands of fans over the course of the past 11 years of filming you know and you have to know how people sound what they want what they i think that makes me really really good at writing dialogue actually I was going to say, you know, I was going to bring that up. That's on my, my handy dandy list of questions here. I was going to say, um, you know, how does, how, how do your years in improv um, intertwine with writing dialogue? And also the other thing, you mentioned the serial killer thing. I had that down as a question is, in all of the, the gags you guys have done with Impractical Jokers, have you ever come across a person or people who you were just like like creeped out by you just had this sixth sense like oh my god i better not get in this van or something like that you know well i'll show you so uh here it is so i i play the character in the tv show of a creep 
So, uh, you always, you always end up getting the short end of the stick on the show. I remember that. You I get, know. like, the shortest end of the they stick. Dress they dress me up like that, and they make me go out and, and terrify people. It, it, it's great fun. The character's name is Stanley Merkel, you know? And they make me dress up sometimes on stage like him, too. It's really embarrassing, you know? Uh, it's kind of like a bit of, like, the Freddy Krueger shirt, a mustache, and uh, my father's glasses from, uh-huh. the, from the 60s. You know, and like tight, uh, tight pant, blue, you know, uh, baby blue pants and, uh, and penny lo- uh, penny lobes, you know, and I look like a creep. So I think I'm that character. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not in real life. Right. Like I'm a nice guy. <laughs> you I see- dress normally, have a sensible polo shirt on. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. But we're, but we're, have there been any times where things have gone horribly awry? I don't know whether they've like gotten cut from the show because you obviously have to have people sign waivers. And was there. Yep. It, would, would there ever be a time like it's actually be kind of a neat idea for a story is is you you're doing a show like that and you meet a serial killer or you meet somebody who's kind of like you know cre- creepy like that and it just completely throws everything off kilter uh, you know our goal in jokers is never to get people angry mm-hmm. uh our goal is to embarrass each other and, right. and see how it reacts to our sense of embarrassment right so uh, it, it, i have to say it has very very rarely happened but whenever it has happened it's because somebody is having a bad day for other reasons sure you know, most people joke but one time it went off the rails it was not our fault it was uh-huh. a funny idea though. so the idea was this so we were working at a uh, uh, a conven- uh, like a grocery store, and this woman comes up to pay for her groceries, and Sal was behind the counter uh, ringing customers up. And so she hands him her credit card, and I said, Sal, very nonchalantly, when she's not looking, snap a photo of her credit card with your cell phone. I think I see on the side of the yeah. Uh-huh. And she lost it because, unbeknownst to her, uh, to us rather, she had had her identity stolen a month earlier. Uh-huh. So she was finally sensitive. We didn't know that. And she flipped out. She called 911. The cops came. Now, remember, we're allowed to be in the store, but we're not allowed to, to do that. Right. So the cops come in. They calm her down. She's really upset. They calm her down. They bring her outside. And they come back in. We're like, oh, shoot. We're going to get busted, right? Mm-hmm. The cops come up to us and they say, guys, guys, guys. We're big fans of the show. Can we take photos with you? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Got away with that one. So going back over your history, you guys all met. Did you actually meet in religion class? We, we did. Yeah. I mean, first day of Miss Farrell High School, uh, Miss Peducci's religion class. Uh-huh. And we uh, became best friends and um, did improv together in high school. And that's it. And then you guys kind of went your separate ways. Um, that doing different things. You were working for this. Is it true you're working for the Staten Island Ferry? And that's yeah. when it wasn't okay. Because I, there's, I, I'd read out there. That's what I mean. You go to the internet, and they're like, you know. And then he lost his vestigial tail, you know. And it's like, you know, what really? Um, it said that it, that you worked. How did you guys meet up again? But you did go your separate ways, and then you met up again. Because I read something that oh, said yeah, you were working we, for the ferry, and then you you ran into Sal or something. Or, um, exactly Staten right. Yeah, ferry. I wasn't working on the ferry. I'm like, you know, swabbing the deck kind of thing. <laughs> right. I, um, you're, you're an aspiring we were, pirate. Yeah. <laughs> we were commuting to work, like everyone does. And we're taking the Sal and Ferry, and uh-huh. this, I mean, right after, right after college, you know, we went to four different colleges, and then mm-hmm. I saw Sal and Ferry. We started talking. Uh, he still wanted to do improv. I had done improv all throughout college. I said we should get together, so mm-hmm. uh, and and rehearse. And so we all got together, the four of us. We still remained friends and started rehearsing, and then mm-hmm. 
were alive, and then we failed for about 11 years before we uh, finally succeeded with Jokers. It's amazing because you're one of those, like so many entertainment stories where you became an overnight success after yeah. about 50 years. Yeah. I'm actually friends with the guys who did A Quiet Place, who wrote the movie A Quiet Place. Oh, wow. And yeah. I'd been I'd worked with them back in the late '90s and the early 2000s before they moved to LA, and they've been doing movies since the late '90s. And then all of a sudden, a quiet place hits, and everybody's like, "Where did these guys come from?" I'm like, "They've been doing this for 20 years," you know. We uh, we are an overnight 11 year success. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, what do you attribute the, the the huge success of the show and how it clicked? I mean, obviously, there's been like punk shows before with Aston Kutcher and everything else, and um, even go back to like Candid Camera, like the hidden camera yeah. stuff always seems to find an audience. But the thing is, you guys are different in that, like you mentioned, the joke is on you. You are constantly embarrassing each other, which I yeah. think is the unique spin to it. And the fact that you guys are obviously really good friends, you're like a bunch of friends who are constantly coming up with a, a bigger goof to like make you look, you know, like a doofus when you go out there. And I think that's the charm of it is that you're the victims of the joke in a lot of ways. Do you think yeah. that that unique spin is what has really clicked with people? And that, that, and that was by design. You know, we none of us wanted. We don't consider the show a prank show at all. Mm -hmm. We consider it a hidden camera show. Yeah. Where the jokes on us. You yeah. Know? So we, we, because none of us liked what happens in a prank show. When you watch a prank show, I for one feel bad at the people getting pranked. I'm right. Like, they didn't sign up for that. They didn't walk into the store expecting to be made <clears> fools of. So what we did was we uh, we knew that we could sell a hidden camera show. It was a time uh, in 2010 where they were coming back. And so we spun the format upside down, put the joke on us instead, which is very organic to who we are. Like right. we constantly, we've been doing this for 30 years and this is kind of like everyone. And I guess that's the secret of the show. Everyone does this. Yeah. Right. 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 We, we remind people of their best friends from when they grew up that they used to do this kind of stuff with. And you know what I mean? And, 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 and they, the, when you laugh the hardest, when you cry laughing, it's with those friends that you have this kind of relationship with mm -hmm. where you you know, you make fun of each other, and you, this kind of a lot of what guys do too to each other. Yeah, it is. And the other thing that I think I I think is why the show is special is I think the the show remains to this day a uh, an island of positivity mm -hmm. in a very in a very cynical world. Mm -hmm. You know, it is. Um, it we just it reminds you of the days when you'd come home from a hard day's work and you turn on the TV and the whole family gets together around the TV yes. to watch the show. Yeah. Right. I think we're the show that the whole family can agree on. And that yeah. I, I fancy that to us all the time. And I consider that the absolute utmost compliments. Uh, it, it is a, a mainstream, the kids, the parents and the grandparents sit down and watch this show over dinner. And that is the biggest compliment I think we could ever possibly get, you know? Uh, no, that's one of the things I was actually going to ask you about, too, is the, the fact that the show started to take off around 2010, 2011, which was in the aftermath of the financial collapse. Um, politically, the country was starting to become really, really divided, and things just started to become much more negative, you know? And then all of a sudden, there's this show. And as you mentioned, it's a, like a bastion of positivity in an otherwise very negative and shallow. There's a lot of reality TV and just stuff that was based around just, um, you know, a lot of rich people, rich, pretty people who were fairly vapid. And, uh, yeah. and then you have this show, which is just these guys, these buddies goofing on each other. And it's the complete antithesis to so much of this yeah. stuff going on in the world and on TV. 
do you think that that contrast is what made it stand out amidst the hundreds and hundreds of shows that come out each year, uh, especially on cable, and, and and made it such a big hit, made it click with people? I, I think a lot. Don't underestimate the power of sex appeal, too, Sean. We, you know, we're, you know, I mean, we got four middle-aged, slightly overweight, golden gods. Don't, don't underestimate. We, I'll tell you why. Those dad bods are in, Murr. They are. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Show hidden because we we look like the kind of guys that that you that that a woman would settle for. You know, the kind of guys that we're the kind of husbands that. So, won't so it's the king of queens effect. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're the kind of guys that don't cheat on our spouses. You know. <laughs> Uh, because we're like, thank God a girl likes me. Which, so it's, uh, I, I, I think there's a, a fair amount of sex appeal, but also, I think you're right. At the end of the day, I like how you day, slid that you know, in there at the end. Yeah. Well, I think there was, really is. I was joking, but no, I'm serious, though. At the end of the day, we just try to make each other laugh. And, I, uh-huh. I, and they're the funniest guys I know. So if I'm making them laugh, I know that people will laugh too. You know? Right. Do you, do you guys ever get tired of each other? Do you ever get sick of each other? Or ever times when your personality... I mean, you've been friends for such a long time. And you've, yeah. like, gooped on each other and everything. Is there ever a lot, time when a line is crossed and one of you guys gets pissed at the other guys? You're just like, oh, man. And you, you at least have to take a cooling off period. Yeah, it happens, but it blows over so quickly. Because mm-hmm. we see them each other so many times a week. Right. We decide to take, like, six months apart from each other in 2020, like the rest of the world did. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. But that was more by necessity than choice. Uh, but, I, like all best friends, we, we fight once every three weeks, and then at a half hour later, it's over, and we're eating chicken bomb together. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> We were too old to make new friends at this point. <laughs> what are we going to do? Go out and onto friends, friendster? <laughs> it's nothing anymore. What are you saying? That's, you know, it's weird because there hasn't been a, a, a friendster. There hasn't been a new friendster. There's been so many different no. dating sites and social media, but there isn't a friendster. I don't know why, why, why that didn't happen during COVID. I have no idea. That would have been a great idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has it been, has it gotten, and and I, I, I wonder this, like, um, more and more people have gotten to know you guys and they recognize you. Is it harder to go out and do that hidden camera stuff because you run into so many people now who are like, oh, that's the guy from Impractical Jokers, you know, and it totally blows the shot. It, it happens a lot more, which I think is a huge compliment. It means that the show right. is yeah. successful. If no one recognized us, it means the show sucks. You know? <laughs> so I think it's a good thing. Uh, so it does take us a little bit longer to shoot, and you know. But there's so many people in New York City. There's 10 million people. Like for every person who knows who we are, there's 10 more that have no idea or think we're their pharmacists. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that guy looks familiar. Is, is my prescription ready? I, I'm like, yes, ma'am. I'm your pharmacist. Right. Please come on, get up. <laughs> um, is it tough one of the things like as you get older obviously um, I mean everybody goes through this is it's t- it's tougher to get everybody together because you know one of you is married and has kids and the rest of you guys are all single but like so your schedules are a lot more flexible but having kids just completely throws your skull- schedule a kilter is it tougher sure. is it tougher to get the guys back together and I know that two of you um, have done your own podcast because of that you mentioned that it was because you know it was just really tough to get all four guys in the same room yeah. basically uh, yeah I mean we have very different lives of course uh, Joe's the only one that's married with children mm-hmm. he's also got 12 dogs so <laughs> he's got 12 dogs a wife two kids and him so it's 12 
13, 14, 15, 16. He's got 16 souls living under <laughs> one roof that he takes care of. It's crazy, right? So his schedule is a little different than ours, you know? Uh, but, uh, but at the end of the day, we, I still see them, like, I see them nine days a week. So it's not like, right, right. You know, yeah. Um, was there ever a time, especially during COVID, where it was, um, where, you know, you're going through some tough times or you had difficult things going on in your life and it was difficult to be funny. It was difficult to be like, oh man, I got to put on this like comedy face and go out there and perform or go out there and be a part of this show. And I've got all this other stuff going on. And, and, and how do you get over moments like that in life where you just got to go out there and do it? Sure. Look, I mean, we've been on, we've been working on this TV show for 11 years now. We're shooting season 10 of the show. We've done probably a thousand live shows, including nights like best nights of our life, like Madison mm-hmm. Square Garden or playing Radio City uh, sold out or the O2 in, in London. These incredible highs, but life still goes on. Right. And so with all the highs comes incredible lows too. Um, and everything from family tragedies to breakups to we, we uh, to everything in between um and what what it comes down to is you're surrounded by the three people you would want to be there no matter what if something terrible happened to you so mm-hmm. that you know like if i was on my own and something terrible happened or i was going through something these are the guys i would reach out to anyway right. and lean on for help you know and so to be together with them is a huge help and the other thing is that remember we only have to be funny 25 percent of the time right? <laughs> and there's four of us so between four of us you know if one guy's having a bad day the other three lift you know they maybe they'll hit 32 percent each uh-huh. instead of 25 right. to, to make up the lost 25 so you only have to be funny 25 percent of the show <laughs> <laughs> is is there something behind like are are you guys pretty much the same on camera and off in your personalities or is there you know are there are there you know different traits about each of you that it's it's very different from what people would think of in your public personas i i think our personalities are almost identical mm-hmm. i think we probably amplify it a bit on tv mm-hmm. but the, the core the core of it is still all the same you know we might amp up the rivalries like you know sal and i's like arch nemesis rivalry on the right. show or you know, we probably amp that up on TV. That being said, he pisses me off. I don't care. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, but it is all based in our core friendship. So I, I think we're the same in person. That brings up, like, something that I always noticed is you always tend to get the shortest stick on the show. I don't know whether it's because you get the most embarrassed about things or and they just poke at that, or but you always seem the guy that gets the worst of it. Where, where, do, you, where do you live? I live in uh, the Quad Cities. Well, I'd say, so, you know, I'm coming there uh, next week to yeah. perform at, uh, at the Rust, Rust Belt. Yeah. So when, I, when I fly to the Quad Cities, uh, I this is what I've got to do at the airport. I've got to show. So years ago, I don't know if you saw this episode, the guy shaved off my eyebrows. Uh-huh. It took three months for them to grow back, and they made me get a driver's license photo with no eyebrows. <laughs> so when I fly, to, and it's a 10 year punishment, I can't get a new license until 2024. So when I fly to the Quad Cities next week, I have to show this at the airport. <laughs> I look like a baked potato, man. I look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought eyebrows add so much to a face? Yeah, I know, like, I know. It's crazy. So, so yeah, the, I definitely get the short end of the stick. Uh, looking at that picture, perhaps it already answers this question, but was there ever too cruel a punishment that you felt that you got in the show? Uh, you know, I think they really pushed the boundary with skydiving. 
Uh, because I'm terrified of skydiving. I think that, you know, it's... Look, if you remember back to your school days, right? Gravity is 9.8 meters per second squared. Uh-huh. Which, when you do the math on that, that means that up until the last three seconds of skydiving, if the chute fails up until the last three seconds, you still will plummet at a, at a velocity that will kill you, mm-hmm. right? By, by acceleration, gravity, what have you. Those are terrible odds. No one would take these odds in Vegas, ever, you know? If you can only win in the last three seconds, it's terrible. No one would do it. So I, it's my number one fear. When they threw me out of an airplane, I, I, I locked myself in the bathroom for a half hour. I wouldn't come out. I was sure that was the end of me. And I, I'll tell you a funny story. So I, while I was in the bathroom, refusing to come out to do the punishment, I call, I FaceTimed my mother to tell her I love her, goodbye, so uh-huh. on and so forth. And she rejected the call, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a second later, a text comes in from my mom that says, it was four words. It said, at Macy's, not now. <laughs> it was a great sale at Macy's. You shop it. <laughs> like, mom, I'm going to die. I love you. At Macy's, right. not now. There, there, there's a great epitaph. Last, last words. Um, what was the most embarrassing thing that you had to go through? Uh, gosh, you know, um, I mean, you know, I, I still have the third skydiving tattoo on my thigh <laughs> that that is that is uh, embarrassing on a daily basis uh-huh. <laughs> you know my, my wife and i will go get a massage like a massage and there's two types of people in the world there's the person that knows the show and doesn't know the show so like if the massage therapist when she gets to my thigh oh that's right you are married now sorry sorry I, I am married. Yes. Uh, that's so right the therapist will, will get to my thigh if she knows the show she laughs when she sees the tattoo right if she doesn't know the show she still laughs because the tattoo's ridiculous uh-huh. <laughs> yeah sorry to, sorry i forgot you did get married in 2020 i, I, I did. i'm about to celebrate my one-year anniversary well, in about three weeks i mean i mean the week my the week the stowaway comes out in stores is my anniversary week. well congratulations so now so now two of you are married then two of us are married okay i, I had old information mer that said only one of you was so um what was your favorite prank what was your favorite thing that you've done with the show that you really enjoyed the most i i think that if, if many years from now my future children ask me like what was the tv show long after it's come and gone i think i would show them or show stranger one scene that mm-hmm. i think is the i think is perfectly emblematic of the best of what impractical jokers is in terms of improv and character and heart uh, uh there was a, a challenge we did we do it a lot we, where we play receptionists in a in some business and there's people in the waiting room waiting to for whatever uh and they don't realize that the reception area is the hidden camera challenge mm-hmm. right so in this particular moment joe was the receptionist and there's a woman sitting there waiting for an appointment for some bs thing and he's sitting on one of those round balls you know that sometimes you see people yeah, sit on sure. the pot uh-huh. at a desk you know so he's sitting on this giant round ball and we said joe when you go to sit back down on the ball bounce off it and and fall just face plant off the ball because uh-huh. it rolls right and Joe is so classically funny in a Three Stooges kind of way, right? He his, his ass hits the ball, and he flies across the room and just crashes into the garbage pail in the room. The garbage pail falls over, and out of the garbage comes a, a half-eaten, like, turkey sandwich. So <laughs> Q says, Joe, reach in and start eating oh, the sandwich. Oh. So he does. It's all improv, right? He, uh-huh. he reaches in and starts eating the sandwich going, nom, 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 right? And Q laughs so hard. 
he starts throwing up in the, in the back. <laughs> the, the, the sound of Q throwing up, uh, Sal is so timid, and, and, and you know, the sound of Q throwing up makes Sal gag and start throwing up. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, I'm oblivious laughing, eating lo mein the whole time. I think that is the perfect... <laughs> 30 seconds of our show. It's spontaneous. You couldn't plan it, couldn't predict it. Physically funny, a lot of heart, character. All our characters come out perfectly there, you know? <laughs> so you're coming up here to the Quad Cities, uh, going to be at the Rust Belt in East Moline on September 12th. Show starts, I believe, at 7 o'clock. Um, I, I, I'm so excited, by the way. You, the guys and I began our tour mm-hmm. eight years ago in, in, in Iowa. And Illinois, like uh-huh. that's it. We we played Quad Cities before. I'm so excited to come back, and it's family friendly. Uh, at one point, I can promise you, I will uh, borrow a few audience members' cell phones, uh-huh. and I I might text on your behalf and show you on the screen what I'm texting your friends and family. We'll see. Uh, and then uh, I, I do. Lot, it's like a stand up comedy show. There's a big screen behind me, uh, and I show videos and tell stories uh, from Impractical Jokers, and and then I do uh, some fun games too. Games like um. Uh, truth or shot if mm-hmm. an audience member can stump me with a question I'm too embarrassed to answer I will do a shot or I'll give you five dollars you know? <laughs> <laughs> like play fun games like that is hysterically funny family friendly uh, night laughter so anything that you'd like to add that we haven't talked about or what would you most like to accomplish that you haven't because you've done a lot of stuff in your life you had a really interesting life uh, yeah you know we've. Uh, I'll tell you what Jokers has given me the ability to do things I never thought I would like travel the world but also swim with sharks and jump out of airplanes fly outside of an airplane in the joker's movie uh it's it's enabled uh, the world to see me get balder over the past 10 years that's good i never thought most people could watch me get balder but sure enough it was always been my dream as a child i was like i just wish that i could one day have millions of people watch me get more bald <laughs> and i got it I just, I just, there you, go. Uh, you know i'd say I'd say uh, uh, if you're interested in the book, you can get uh, the Stowaway. It's on. Uh, you can order it right now, or, or go to um, uh, meetmer.com. Meetmer, M-E-E-T, meetmer.com to come to the book launch. It's a virtual book launch. You can watch from home uh, on September 21st. We have surprise celebrity guests joining and prizes, and uh, we're giving away a free a free week long vacation on a cruise ship. Uh, uh, for 2022, just for coming to uh, the after party, uh, that's great fun. And then, uh, you know, I, I want to uh, all these books to be turned into movies. That, that's what's next for me. That would be yeah. fun. That would be fun. Cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking with you. You too, Sean. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the the, the, the research. Uh, I got to get into work now. I got to go swap the deck on the ferry. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's great to see you. Thanks. Good to see you too. And uh, looking forward to seeing you at the Rust Belt on September 12th. You got it. Take care, bud. You Bye. too. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that was James Mur- Murray from Impractical Jokers fame and he's also got a new book coming out um got a number of books out there uh the new book is called the stowaway and is going to be released uh, on september 21st and he's got a new show coming up here to the quad cities september 12th at the rust belt seven o'clock there are tickets still available so you can go and check that out so you are watching this on zoom watching me record um qc uncut 
uncut, unedited, uncensored podcasting with me, your host, Sean Leary, as well as the Zoom recording of me talking to Murr. Thanks a lot for tuning in and have a great day.